He was diagnosed in 2009. And when we first went to speak with the doctors, it was an environmental one. So it wasn't a cancer that was hereditary. And it was a cancer that typically comes with to men in their 70s. Eddie was early 40s. And I just sat there with him on a day and I just said, what is it? He goes, do you, do you want this to continue? Do you want me to continue running the business? And he just looked at me in tears in his eyes. And, and we were at this point, it was, it was a very difficult conversation. And he was upset, not with me. He was more upset, I think, that we were having to have that conversation. I don't think I even thought that there was another option. It was, I have a business, I have three children, and I need to continue moving forward. You're right, of all what I had been accomplishing, but not really realizing what I had been accomplishing. I, I mean, to me, I was just surviving. Hi, I'm Mike Gabriel. This is Mike Up Pod a podcast where we talk a wide range of topics from business, health, lifestyle, but most importantly, the topics of life, growing, learning, self-awareness, and leading. This is where we get the best of the best who tell their experiences. On today's episode, I bring in another powerful story. This one comes from Daisy Rivas. Her and her husband, Eddie Rivas, own a sports apparel retailer called Pro Image Sports, all located in the greater Southern California. They own seven in total. Her husband, unfortunately, passed away from cancer. She was left with a couple options, sell out or grow. She had an emotional conversation just before her husband died. He told her to carry on. Since not only opened up another store, she was franchise of the year in 2016, two of eight of her locations million dollar stores, two ranked within top 10 nationally, five out of eight stores ranked top 15 of 130 locations nationally. In 2017, also franchise of the year, five of the seven locations million dollar stores, five ranked within top 10. 2019, franchise of the year as well. Four of the seven locations, $1 million stores, five ranked within top 10, one of them third in top dollars per square foot. She's the real deal and she's here to tell you about it. This interview was done in March, just before the COVID pandemic. The goal was to roll this episode out just before Major League Baseball opening day. Fast forward four months, we're finally here. Towards the end of this episode, I went Instagram live with Daisy to get an update and see how she was adjusting since getting hit with this pandemic. So stay tuned for that. Also, Daisy is kind enough to do a giveaway, a Dodger Nike jersey with your last name or your favorite player's last name. Stay tuned for details at the end of the show. For now, enjoy my conversation with Daisy. When you were a kid, what did you want to be growing up? <laughs> well, from when I can remember, when I was a kid, I, I liked math. I wanted to be an architect. Really? I did. Mm. I did. And? And unfortunately, I was in high school, and I think I have, was in my geometry class. And I think my professor and I had a disagreement, and I think I swore off math after that. <laughs> he turned you off. Yes. That was it. I was it. Well, you're an analytic g- guru now, right? So I guess it goes back to the fact that I like math. <laughs> you like the numbers because we were talking pre-show about numbers. Yes. And your business now 
pro image has a lot to do with numbers. It does. Yeah. Well, I think maybe necessarily, I think is the way maybe I use it. I think I use a lot of analytics to look at my business. And I think that that's what separates me. And that's what I've been able to apply at pro image sports. So what did you do after college? I was in college at the same time I was working full time. So I was already working within a retail buying office. I was um, in New York and I was working at Saks Fifth Avenue and I was going to FIT. So I would go to school in the morning class and hop on a train uptown to Saks and start at work at nine o'clock and would work until six, jump back on the train downtown for my classes. I started at 620. You always enjoy the retail business. Yes. My first job was in high school working at Vans Tennis Shoes. What, what is it about the retail business that you enjoy? I think initially was the customer service and was the interaction. Um, so that was the retail side of it. Uh, and then I went into the buying side, which is what I was studying in school at the time and working at Saks. And that was just selection of the product. And then the analytics that went to why we would place a certain amount of product in one store versus another. And then that was understanding how you buy by cluster, by volume, or by demographics. That was part of that. And then I went into sales, but into wholesales. So therefore, it was more about the customer interaction with a buyer when I was working with Liz Claiborne and with Luxottica. Did you graduate from college? I did. Yeah. I did. And now you're in New York, born and raised in New York? I was born in New York. Then my mom moved us to California in Pasadena area. So I went to uh, high school, a uh, year of college here. Then I went back to New York and met my husband and uh, was going to school there. Eddie Rivas is your husband? Yes. Where'd you guys meet? We met in New York. He uh, was a classmate of my cousin. Uh, they were in high school together. Um, by this point, when I was introduced to him, we both were already in college. So wait, so you guys, you got, you guys are both from New York? He was born in Ecuador and then his family moved to Brooklyn. Uh, and then from there, I think they moved to Queens and then that's where he went to high school to Hillcrest high school in New York. And that's where he met my cousin. Um, and then I didn't, I ended up going to New York the year after I already had started college. So when you moved to Pasadena with your family, I was 13. And how old was he? Well, how old was he? But he was five when he moved from Ecuador to Brooklyn. Okay. And then he grew up in New York. And then I was born in New York. My mom moved us to California when I was 13. And I moved back to New York when I was 19. Okay, got it. So you went back there. I went back. So you met your husband in New York when you were 19? Yes. Okay. And then you came back to California, the two of you, right? So we were, we had our wedding ceremony here. Uh, but we lived in New York for three years as husband and wife when we were married. And what made you come back to California? He loved California. He was in pharmaceutical sales at the time. And, you know, it's grueling with the weather and up and down with his bag, um, his pharmaceutical bag and seeing the doctors and the luncheons and so forth. And he just loved California weather. He loved everything about it. Um, so once we were married and we had been married for about three years at that point, he put in two and a half years, he put in for a transfer with his company. And um, uh, the transfer came back and said, we have a position open in Pasadena, but you have to be there in 30 days. 
And at the time I was employed at Bergdorf Goodman. And I was devastated. I didn't want to go. <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah, I'm out of here. I mean, because the opportunity, again, my, my family's all in Pasadena. And for the opportunity to present itself, for him to be able to move back, to move to you know Pasadena and have that area, it was just in the cards. So at that point, I um, had already finished my, my college in December, and I was going to walk in May. But by the time we moved to California in March... And we were in the process of buying a house. wasn't able to f- come back to uh, to walk. So you met a, well. You met at nineteen years old. Yes. How long until he proposed to you and you guys got married? Two years. Okay. And then we and then we were engaged like for two years. So I was married by the time I was twenty three. Yeah. And your kids? When did when did they come? They came five years. I was five. I was already. We had been. We were celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary, and I was pregnant with my first. Nice. Um, and she was born in October of um 95 and we opened our first pro image location in june of 96 so your husband was doing what prior to the pro image location pharmaceutical sales so when he was in pharmaceutical sales in new york and then he was able to transfer with the company and come out to california um with the company in that position and then what he was able to do was look to open the business initially the business plan was that we were both going to open it together I was coming in with my buying experience and him coming in with sales and management experience. But from pharmaceutical to retail, well, how did that happen? Where- well, his first job was working at Keebler Cookies. Okay. So his first job that he ever had while he was in high school was working for Keebler Cookies at the Key Food, which is the grocery store in New York. And um, he worked his way up to work uh, within management at Keebler Cookies. And at that point, he put in for... He uh, wanted to try something different, a different field. So then he went into pharmaceutical sales, and so it was still sales at the same at the same point. But when we moved to California, it was more of the mindset that we wanted to be in business, be our own our own boss, mm-hmm. and to have a business that we could have our own. Were you working down here at the time? I was at the time. Yes, uh, when we moved from New York, I. Uh, Got a job at Robinson's May yeah. in planning and distribution. And I was working there for about a year before I got called from Contempo Casuals, which is where I wanted to go to work. Um, and I went to work for Contempo Casuals buying the um, accessories. And it's a junior retailer. And I was working there uh, when we first started looking into what business we would possibly go into. So that took us down to the Los Angeles Convention Center. They had a franchise expo. And we walked the whole show, and there was um, a lot of uh, different business opportunities, whether it was, I think, Snap-on tools. There was a lot of food. Um, it was like an entrepreneurial show? Uh, or a, a, a franchise show. Okay. And it okay. was, um, I think it was also uh, like balloon emporiums. I mean, it was different types of fields, mm-hmm. but nothing that was appealing to both of us. Um, and as we were leaving, they gave out uh, franchisee magazines. And going through the magazine, there was an ad for Pro Image Sports. He was hooked. Yeah. He said, he goes, at that point, he goes, I love sports. He goes, and it's a business. We can do it together. I said, okay. So we started looking into it more and more. And that was when we decided that I would do the buying and he would do the merchant, he would do the sales management aspect of it. Um, and then I got pregnant. Mm. So at that point, he said, okay, you go and you have the baby and uh, you know you figure out health insurance and everything else. And I will continue to work pharmaceutical sales and try and see if I can get this business going. And that's what we did. So he got the business. We, he hired um, a sales team and a store manager. And 
He managed, oversaw the daily operations of it through the store manager um, for three years. From that franchise convention uh, event, until when did he open up his first location? I want to say it was probably about two years because by the time that we went to the show, I wasn't pregnant. And then I got pregnant and then we opened it that following June. But he worked for Solway for three years while he was... Okay. On managing that business. And the first location, Pro Image location was? Is it, it still is, is Westfield Santa Anita. So we've been there, I'll be 25 years, uh, June of 2021. Now, today you own eight stores. We own eight locations. I own, yes, I own eight locations today. I opened my eighth location in August of uh, 2019. And through the years, it may have gone up or down in terms of uh, temp locations that we have tried testing out and into different malls, but permanent locations, it was seven. And then the eighth one opened in August. Now your husband, Eddie passed away. I think it's gonna be five years this coming April. Yes. And he passed away from cancer. Yes. What kind of multiple myeloma. And how long was he? He was diagnosed in, um, 2009. And, um, when he, um, first went, when we first went to speak with the doctors, it was, you know, the statistics had was shared with us that it was an environmental one. So it wasn't a cancer that was hereditary. Um, and it was a cancer that typically goes, comes with to men in their, in their seventies. Eddie was early forties, you know, typically, you know, basically athletic, very athletic and good shape. Um, and it was, yeah, it was was a surprise. surprise. So was this just from a checkup? Just your normal? Well, he athletic that he was, he played in a men's softball league over 50 men's JPL softball league. And he played in flag football for 30 year olds. (laughs) Okay. He wasn't 30, but he, he, he was, he was fit and he was athletic and he just loved sports. And he, so he played a lot of sports himself and he had, was having problems with, um, pain in one of his ribs. And so he thought it was something that he pulled from playing sports. And so he went to the doctor and, they um they said okay it's just gave him I think some medication for anti-inflammatory I mean it was something I don't remember exactly what it was um but it still kept bothering him so he finally went and got an X-ray when he went and got the X-ray from his orthopedic um surgeon that was when they found the spots and they said okay you need to go um to take a you know to get a um a further look into this and he hadn't told me at this I, I didn't know I'd buy any of this at the time he went through the whole process of of getting a, a second opinion going and getting um, a biopsy and so forth before he shared any of this with me. Wow. How long of a time was he, did he have the cancer until he told you about it? I think it, it was just a, a month or so before he was going through the process of everything of trying to figure out what exactly going from doctor to doctor. Um, and then when he found out then I uh, went with him to the next appointment and they had to have another biopsy, a second biopsy done. Um, and they ended up, um, I was, there, I was there with him for that. You had three kids. We have three children. Yes. Yeah. And they were all born at the time, right? Yes. So I, at the time, my three children were all in elementary school between elementary middle school and elementary school. He was diagnosed in 2009. You said 
2009. It was the year. Yes. And how long did he? How he, he was six. He he had the cancer for six years before he passed because it was our 19th wedding anniversary when we were celebrating it, and it was in July. And because my birthday and our anniversary is in July, and he, um, um, it was in July when I found out, and then when he asked me to renew our um, wedding vows for our 20th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. because he didn't know if he was going to be here for our 25th. Mm. Did you? We did. We renewed our wedding vows um, for our 20th and he passed away three months shy of our 25th. Wow. How much of pro-image did you know prior to his passing? We were both business partners on all legal documents and myself being in retail I was always kind of just listening in and we would always have conversations about the business and so forth, but I was not involved in the day-to-day activity of the business. Um, by the time that he had left Solvay Ph- Pharmaceuticals to work the ProImage, he was opening a second location. And so at that point, he was really immersed in the day-to-day operations of the business and I was working on my career. And how many locations did he have prior to his passing? When he passed, he had seven and we we had eight, and then we had just closed the temporary location a month prior. I had gone in to go close that location. It was a temp location. It wasn't quite working out where we had hoped uh, the numbers would be. Um, so it was seven permanent locations when he passed away. Towards his passing, was he struggling late in his life? He, um, his initial thoughts when he first received the diagnosis was... Um, to sell, sell the business. And he had, we came home and he made two phone calls, one to our um, CPA and the other to our attorney, both of which talked to him and basically said, you know what, you know, it's, it's what he did is what he loved. And to take that away from him and to also deal with cancer would have been, you know, a double blow. So they said, you know what, it's, it's operating, it's, it's running pretty smoothly. You've already built the foundation for it just continue to manage it and just, you know, take the time that you need when you need to rest and so forth. And, you know, but it's going to keep your mind also busy. And so he did. Um, so he kept the business businesses going. Um, and then at the time, my career, I was, I was based out of my home, but I traveled a lot. So in the beginning part of 2014, I think there was like a five week period where either I was in, Italy, I was in Canada, I was in Ohio, I was in New York, I was in Las Vegas. Every week I was gone. And at that point, you know, with three kids um, that were pretty active between sports and school, uh, he just said, you know, it's, it's it was starting to take a toll on him. And he just felt that it was, I was doing too much traveling and it was about time that I start to get involved in the, in the day-to-day operations of the business and to, and to lighten the load for him a little bit. Mm. And so I... Uh, gave my notice at uh, Luxottica. I was working for Pearl Vision and I was given a two months notice at that time. Did you have a conversation with him as to taking over the Pro Image stores or the franchises or not? Or towards, selling? Or? Um, towards the last uh, couple of months of in February, so basically three months before he passed he was not feeling too well. It was feeling worse than what he had been. And so we went and um, the cancer had basically copied itself. 
into his Kappa uh, light chains. And it basically, um, I guess not copy, the word is it cloned. Mm -hmm. It had cloned itself. And the cloning came back of a cancer that was more aggressive than the cancer that he was kind of in remission with. Um, So at that point, it was taking a toll on him. We had to increase his um, chemo and also the amount of radiation that he was um, taking in. And so at that point, I was the one that was starting to take him to these appointments. It started to, we got a a wheelchair and I was driving him at that point. He wasn't driving. So at that point, there was a lot going on and I was still continuing with at least for the most part, um, helping him with paying some of the bills. He had showed me that part of the business and then also the payroll. So my employees never went without receiving pay. And so those were the two crucial things. And my vendors, I was able to keep them on top of it. But I wasn't able to to learn at that point through him how to receive the product. And it was starting to build because it was the start of um, MLB season. And it was starting to build in the back room. And my managers couldn't put it out on the floor because it needed to be received in a system. But basically at that point, we were in the living room one afternoon and he hadn't shared with me on how to do some of these things. And so I just... I just asked him, I was like, you know, we were just, we were going back and forth and he wasn't sharing with me in terms of what maybe he was thinking or what he was feeling. So to understand Eddie was, he was very private and also a lot of pride in, in terms of the fact that he wasn't able to do some of the things that he typically would normally do. And that really frustrated him a lot. The simple things of the way food tastes and, you know, just the neuropathy in terms of what he was feeling was really difficult. And so at that point, I, I just, I was, I was starting to build frustration because I didn't know what exactly he wanted out of this. And, and I just sat there with him on a day and I just said, what is it? He goes, do you, do you want this to continue? Do you want me to continue running the business? Mm. And he just looked at me in tears in his eyes. And, and we were at this point, it was it was a very difficult conversation. And he was upset, not with me. He was more upset, I think, that we were having to have that conversation. And at that point, he said yes. and But it was just, it was an angry yes of just um, knowing that he wasn't going to be the one there to keep it going. Right. Well, <laughs> you've done just that. So selling these franchises were not an option for you nor for him. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. You had seven locations prior to his passing. Yes. And you just opened up your eighth, how long ago? My eighth permanent location I opened in August of 2019. Okay. I did um, wow. try a Recent. different location as a temp, I think in 2016, um, and I, part of me was driven because part of our initial SBA loan when we first started in the business was that his goal was to get to 10 stores. And so when he passed, I just, I wanted to keep the seven stores going. And if an opportunity presented itself, I wanted to grow it. And I was gearing myself up to, I want to get it to 10 stores. And so an opportunity presented itself to test a, a different location and I tried it out, but it wasn't panning out the way. Um, I had hoped it would. 
So at that point, I decided to close that location as a temp, but um, an opportunity presented itself for this eighth location. And that one, I did make a permanent location. That was what was just recently opened in August. So you need two more stores to hit to, to hit this goal. I'll, you know, usually I ask a question of where do you see yourself in five to ten years. That's later in the show, but I need to ask you that now because you brought it up. So I don't have a choice. Um, so when is store number nine and number ten going to open? I can just um, share with you that there has been some recent conversations, um, and so there's always I'm always willing to listen and to speak to to leasing managers of opportunities that may present itself. I, at the end of the day, need to make sure that it is a financially sound business decision that is not going to uh, sacrifice my existing stores. Yeah. He, and that he, it, it would complement my, my current Yeah. Stores. He'd rather you have eight and be successful yes. than 10. Well, not only not. he, myself. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But he's looking down on you. And he's I proud do, of you. I so. do believe. I yeah. do. Oh, I don't know about that. I think sometimes I'm sure I'm sitting in the office and I'm saying to myself at the things that I've done or decisions that I've made or things that are happening. I'm just, I can just see him looking at me like shaking his head. It's like, really, Daisy? <laughs> How do you separate yourself from Amazon or even an e-commerce giant like Fanatics? I would imagine Fanatics is somewhat of a competitor, a company that that is mostly on a on an e-commerce scale. You're you're not really an e-commerce store, right? I mean, you are a a retail front store. Brick and mortar, yes. Yeah. So, um I can kind of answer that question in a couple of different ways. Um first of all, from Fanatics, that's a vertical operation, which I'm familiar with, um, having worked at Luxottica for 14 years. And within Luxottica, my most recent position that I held there was with Pearl Vision, and Pearl Vision is a franchisor. So I had that experience of working for both a franchisor and myself being a franchisee. And then working with Luxottica being a vertical operation is what basically Fanatics is, because Fanatics is my manufacturer who I buy from. I buy product from them, but yet they're a competitor in terms of an online business. And they also uh, recently uh, partnered up with JCPenney and partnered with them in terms of their fan shop. So that's also a retailer in terms of a competition. And Pro Image Sports as a franchise system does have online presence. I currently, with my eight stores, have my hands full in brick and mortar. So I'm not currently online to do any business in terms of servicing consumers that way. So I really rely on the customers that are coming into the brick and mortar locations and how do I drive them in is what I try to do to separate myself from other competitors and how I try to offset any online business. And that is truly through my customer service with within my eight stores is what we can control. And I try to also offer a point of differentiation. And the point of differentiation is one, by customer service, and two, by product mix. It's pretty astonishing because society nowadays goes on their phone, their computer, and buys everything online. Brick and mortar is now going the other way. And so you've sur- not only survived this, but your sales numbers have gone up 20% since 2014. Yes. Impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I'm still surviving. Um, I think that there's still down the road could be the opportunity to do that. But I think right now with what I have on my plate is what I'm trying to focus on, 
which is right now is I pay rent. <laughs> so I have to try and keep that business going up for my brick and mortar. It's a matter of how do we continue to capture uh, the consumer that is walking the mall? How do we continue to try and drive that consumer into the mall or into if once they're in the mall into our locations? And that's where it's working with my team, which I have an amazing team of eight store managers of three of which have been with me for over 10 years or been with the company for over 10 years. So I really rely them on them for keeping their finger on the pulse of the business is what I always tell them. I'm only as good as the numbers that I'm looking at and as analytical as I can be from behind of a desk, but it's working with them and working together to really understand the needs of our consumers, what they're looking for, what they want. But also I try to cater to the individual demographics of each mall that we that we service. Um, and I think that that's something that really sets us apart from an e-commerce, an online business. You know, they can, you know, a customer can sit behind a desk and just and order things, but they want to know what it feels like. They want to try it on. They want to come in. And a lot of our consumers that come in, they want to talk sports and we're there for them. Yeah, that's true too. It's like a barbershop. It is. You like sit around and talk. Yeah, my son yeah, can go to the barbershop and he's there for three hours. Yeah. That's You're like, dude, you just shaved your head. Why does that take you so long? <laughs> but it's, in, it's, the, it's, it's how you engage. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide an experience within our four walls. That's what we can control. And that's what I tell my, my team all the time is we can control what we have within our four walls. And that's going to be the storytelling that we're saying at retail. It's going to be the way we engage our consumers when they come in. It's about the relationships that they create with our loyal customers. And we have customers that want us to text them when they, we get anything in new for the Dallas Cowboys. They, they want to know if they can get a custom order for a size three X. I mean, they want to know if, can we get this, you know, player in NFL during the off season? I mean, we will try our best to do what we can for our customers. Um, we do customization of jerseys for them. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do in terms of also we listen and we hear what they're saying, what they're requesting. If they're, I work very closely with some of my key vendors to develop product that is available first at our eight locations or product that may be exclusive to us or early releases. And that's based on our interaction with our consumers that come in and, and let us know what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and people still do enjoy engagement. And they interaction. Do. Absolutely. It's still do. there. It is. There's 120 stores, right? Pro Image stores. There's Pro Image um, Sports has about 120 franchise locations across the country. You own eight of them. I own, yes. There's, I believe, three women who own Pro Image stores. Yes. You and two, two other. There's two other, two women. other women, yes. There's uh, about 45 owners and 120 locations. So there are a couple of different owners that have multiple locations. And they're all in malls, correct? They're mall based for the most part, yes. Okay, so there's some that are by themselves. They, uh, I there's very few. Okay, I was telling you this pre-show. My last three interviews have been with powerful women. Well, there's one coming up, but they've been with powerful women who have lost their husbands. And there's something about you, women, <laughs> <laughs> that make you a powerful specimen, and it's it's unmatched because you lost your husband who has built this foundation for you, you could have easily, like I told my prior interview, you could have easily turned around and sold them and not worried about a thing. 
You've got three children. What is it about you women that just you just you, you're relentless? You won't take it. You know, you're you're not going to sit back and and not do it. You're going to do it, and you're going to be successful doing it. What is it? And speaking for myself, I didn't know of anything else but this in terms of I have a business, I have three children, I have over 50 employees, and I knew that this is is what I had to do. I personally am driven just even in my own career um, just to always do the best that I can do in terms of hard worker, integrity, and I enjoy running a business. And for me, it's licensed sports apparel and headwear, but I run it as if it were widgets. And I think I think I'm able to detach myself from it from a um, a passionate sports decision to really being more of a analytical decision when I'm looking to do the buys and I'm looking to to weigh out how much I should buy into something or when I should buy into something, when I should deliver it or what type of story I'm telling. But I think that that is what drove me. It, it, it wasn't, I didn't, I, I don't think I even thought that there was another option. It was, I have a business, I have three children and I need to continue moving forward. Yeah. You know, and I think you're, you being busy, I don't think you realize what you're accomplishing at the same time, right? Because look, your husband, Eddie set this up for you and your family, but you could have easily drained the entire business and the whole thing couldn't have worked. But six years later, you're as or more successful than you were prior to his passing. Yes. And that's, it's been difficult for me to process that. I think it really came to a head for me when I was recognized by Pro Image Sports corporate office at their annual convention um, as franchisee of the year in 2017 for the business year of 2016. After which they came to me and asked if they could uh, do an interview and uh, a franchisee highlight video. And at first I was kind of hesitant. I said, okay, sure. Thank you. That, that would be, that would be nice. And when they came out to, it was, I remember it was October of 2017 because the Dodgers were in a run for the world series and they lost. So I don't know no, why yeah, you just mentioned I, that. I, but <laughs> I, that, believe me, that was hard. But, uh, and I remember them coming out and I remember thinking, I was like, okay, is there a list of questions? How do we go about this? You know, just I'm moving on a New York minute, you know, let's go, let's, let's get this done with and let's move on. And, he puts the camera down. He goes, well, let's just, let's just have a conversation first. Let's just, just tell me about it. Tell me how it all started. So that was in 2017. That was basically two and a half years after Eddie had passed. And that one question just turned on the floodworks. And I, 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 I lost it. And I just realized at that point that I hadn't stopped for two and a half years. I was go, go, go. And I hadn't really stopped to think that the reason why I'm in the situation that I am today is because Eddie had passed. And it just, it hit me hard. And I think that the next couple of days during that interview, I mean, it took us, I mean, almost three hours to record what, what was, I think was a 10 minute video mm. because I just could not stop crying. And it was, it was, it was difficult because I think that was when I realized you're right of all what I had been accomplishing 
but not really realizing what I had been accomplishing. I, I mean, to me, I was just surviving. Was that the first time it hit you, reality hit you, that, that you lost your husband? Yes. Yeah. Um, it was after that that I think, you know, on a personal level, um, in 2018, I sought out to look into getting, to coming more into terms with, with the grief. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the, the turning point for me, to really coming to terms with that. How old are your children? I have uh, a 24-year-old, 21, and an 18-year-old. Are they all running one of the locations? Each no. location? <laughs> Not yet? You know, it was interesting because Eddie had participated once in a um, in an interview with the ProImage corporate office. And one of the questions was, would you know he want his son to step into the business? And we have two daughters and a son, the youngest being my son. And Eddie was like, no, not really. <laughs> and I think I'm along the same suit. So I it really, for me, is I want the children to want want the, and have their own dreams mm-hmm. and their goals and, and, and to strive for that. And um, right now, for none of, you know, for neither of the three is, is that look like it's going to be promoted sports and that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and the way retail is evolving. And I think that that's just fine. Hey, it's Mike. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Daisy. If you are, please remember to hit that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Let's get back to our conversation. You know, going back to the the women thing that I mentioned earlier, you know, you're running a business. You've got two others running uh, a ProImage stores. You see more and more of them in the sports field, right? Being assistant coaches, or athletes again what do you where where is that coming from well i would like to see more <laughs> or, even, or even women in business that, and that's what I, I would love to see more i feel like of, the percentages throughout at least the last few years has been a big jump and i think you've definitely have seen a, a growth in women within the sports industry whether it be in um sports casting whether it've been also as athletes, but also even this year, I think you've seen a lot more, as you stated, with women that are now assistant coaching in either NFL and MLB and I think an NBA. And I think that that is, I think, a recognition of the barrier being broken between genders. And I think that in this specific industry from sports, franchising is is open to men and women, but I think that there is still more growth opportunity for women, especially in the sports. And I just don't know if many women are as familiar with sports licensing franchise opportunities as there could be. So it's interesting um, when I've posted positions for a store manager, either through Indeed or Glassdoor, that I will always sign it um, D. Rivas. And about 90% of the time, it'll come back um, an email response, Mr. Rivas. Mm. And so I'll, I'll keep the communication going. Not sure how candidates would take working alongside a woman or within the sports industry was the caution that I've always taken. And when a candidate shows up for the interview, they're surprised when they see me like, oh, Rivas, you're a woman. I was addressing you as a mister. I said, that's that's quite all right. I said, I always sign my emails D. Rivas. So you're not at fault. But I do then explain to them that I just, you know, I am a woman and, you know, in a sports world. And yes, 90% of the time people think it's going to be a male but I think that my track record shows that a woman can be in this business and be successful. 
And so I proceed to have conversations with them about, you know, the culture of, of my business within the eight stores, what the foundation Eddie has built in terms of policies and procedures, but where I've taken what he's done so well over the course of the 19 years and how I've built upon that to grow the business. I give them kind of an insight into how we've grown and not to say to take all the kudos that I've done it all on my own because I haven't because I've done it with the team, but that a big part of it has been some of the things that I've been able to leverage in from my prior life that has made us successful and how would they want to be a part of that team. Curious on the D Revis D obviously being for your first name Daisy, would you change that to to Daisy Revis in the in the future as your signature, or are you going to keep it D Revis? And and why do you do D Revis and not your name Daisy? I think I chose initially not to do my name because it's a sports industry that is dominated by men. Wasn't quite sure how applicants would take to working with a woman. Um, not quite sure how customers or fans would take to knowing that a business was owned by a woman. Mm. But I think of any time then now when you're hearing about the number of women that are now involved in sports in terms of even coaching and NFL and MLB, there can be women in business and sports and be successful. Yeah. And so I'm championing out there for other women to to step in and to look into getting into the sports business, look to open up a franchise. I would love to see more women here. And I'm hoping that there will be more growth there. I think that women, the way that we look at business is a little bit different than sometimes how in this specific industry, how men may may look at the business. I remember when my husband first passed and meeting with some of my vendors, I would tell them, I was like, okay. I said, I don't know much about sports stats. I said, but um, I'm sure if my husband were sitting here who was a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan and his favorite player being Roger Staubach, he could give you some stats on him. I said, that's not going to be me. (laughs) I said, um, but at the time when I was meeting with them, I said, I can tell you that um, in following the Dallas Cowboys that I know the two hottest players are Prescott and Elliott. So I know who I'm chasing. And so I think that that's one thing that for myself, looking at the business, that may be a different approach on it is I take that emotion of the affiliation or the loyalty to one specific team. I take that aside And what I'm looking is embracing the diversity of the teams that we do, of the consumers of the teams that we do service. Um, And it's not just our local teams. Uh, We've been fortunate to have both, you know, two NFL teams here now with both the Rams and the Chargers. But I can tell you that a big growth of the business is also going to be based on the teams that are coming here to, to play against them. In terms of a national level, you look at my teams, my top teams are going to be Raiders and Cowboys. And then the follow behind, you know, the Steelers and the Packers um, and the Patriots. Um, so there's there's a mix of the teams that we, we um, service in terms of our consumers. And I think if I were not someone who's open to really looking to service all those teams, I may be at one point, maybe too heavy on, let's say, for example, if I was a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, I may have too much Cowboys product. And so I think that that's part of what I think for me has benefited me looking at this sports business 
has been how I've been able to layer the analytics and my prior experience into managing a business that is dominantly male oriented in terms of ownership and in terms of involvement. But I've been able to really look to grow my woman's business. I've been able to grow my youth business. Um, and it's more by how I'm creating that point of differentiation on that product mix and trying to, to really become more of a lifestyle um, in terms of how the assortment looks. So I think my viewpoints might be a little bit different than a counterpart being male. I'm looking at the storytelling, I'm layering in the analytics, I'm looking at the demographics, and I'm seeing where the upside opportunities are, which are women and children. Mm-hmm. Talking about children, how do you juggle your life, your business life, and still be a mother? I think that's every question for every working mom. <laughs> yeah. um, we all try to do our best, and I think that... Um, I communicate a lot with my children. I I let them know that I'm trying to do my best and it's not been easy. And I really am fortunate that I'm supported by such a strong family group. I have um, two brothers that are close by, um, my mom that's close by, and, you know, we are able to, to rely on them to help at times when I've needed it. And they also feel the the love from the family uh it's it's been challenging at times but i try i try um, my best to to be there in the morning to make breakfast for my son before he goes to school and you know try to make you know big sunday dinner at least so that we have it for the week i love you know to have that reminds me from when i was a child the big sunday family dinners but i i try to be there as much as i can and but they have known me from even when their dad was here, I was always, you know, working from home, but traveling a lot. So I think they've gotten a little bit of, it wasn't, um, I think it was what a lifestyle they may have been already accustomed to. Uh, so it was a matter of my, my children are, are very independent. Mm -hmm. And I think that a part, a lot of that was part of who Eddie and I were as a unit while they were growing up and what they had become accustomed to. And so they now have also been kind of a support system for me and trying to make sure that, you know, that I'm not burning myself out too much. So they've been really um, helpful and instrumental in getting involved sometimes and coming in and and working at the store during the holidays. And uh, we try to, when we're together, we try to be together as a family unit. I like to end the show on a couple questions. I like routines. What's your daily routine like? Well, I can tell you Mondays and Wednesdays, I start off with yoga in the morning and uh, breakfast for my son. We have it together and then he's off to school. In the evenings, I do uh, boxing. Nice. And then, <laughs> Do you really? This I is do. awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> and then on um, Tuesday, Thursdays, I do a uh, morning boot camp at 540, uh, 5.45 to 6.30 and then, you know, home for dinner. Uh, we try to do early dinners depending on you know, what, what, what the evening program is going to look like. And then the weekends I'm typically, I'm working, I'm on, I mean, I have the business. I'm basically, I'm on call, but, um, I work either from the office or I try to work at least from home on the weekends. I can at least be around with my son. How about your pet peeves? I guess I like people just to be up front. And when they're not up front, it bothers you. Right. 
That's good. You know, I think, I think being real, right? Being real. Yeah. I, I, t- I tell a lot of people that I just, I run a New York minute, I'm cards on the table and I'm up front. I don't know how to read in between the lines and beat around the bush. So therefore I don't do the same. You think about dating? Are you dating? Will you think you'd be get remarried? I've been asked that question and I'm not saying no, but yes, I am dating. I mean, I go out on dates. Um, and I had the conversation with my children first to make sure they were okay with it. <laughs> but right now my focus is my youngest is at home. He'll be going off to college in, in August and we'll see what, Good. what happens. Then. Good. I'm happy to hear that because if that makes you happy, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, and I think you know enough of yourself to know if you should do it or not. Right. So I want to end the show by first off, obviously thanking you for coming on. But again, I want to go back to what I was saying in the in the middle of the show, letting you know how powerful you are as a woman, how powerful your story is. But again, how successful you are and what you've done in the last six years. Prior to that, you've done so much more, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm talking about the six years where your back was against the wall and you probably didn't realize that at the time because you were going through your routines and and every day was almost the same because it was keeping your mind busy, which is good, which is great. You had your kids, you had your business, so you couldn't think of the bad stuff. But once you were in it, you couldn't get out of it, which is good. And I think you're sitting here today as a successful businesswoman, a successful mother, and um, I, I can't applaud you enough. Seriously, your story is amazing. Once I heard your story, I said, man, I would love to have her on. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you. It's been hard to, I guess, come to a point where I'm having conversations about, about my story. It's a difficult one because I'm having to talk about the fact that my husband is no longer here. But I think it's also a great one because I'm proud and happy of what we did have. Where we both came from were humble beginnings and to have built what we have built, I'm proud of. To know that we're a small business that is running it with integrity and to have been in business or will be in business, you know, 20 over 20 years we've been in business in major malls. I think that, yes, um, I'm proud of that as well. To have grown it as much as I've, I've grown it, you're right. I Sometimes I don't think I really realize what those accomplishments have been. Um, I know that I am grateful for the team that I have in place and that has contributed to that growth. And most importantly, I think it's, it's our customers. My customers don't know who I am. And I like the fact that they've established relationships with our store managers and that they're finding that we're able to service them. And it's because of them that we're continuing to have this growth and that they recognize some of the things that we've done in the business to make it different, to keep them coming back for more. And that's what we're trying to do is just provide them that opportunity to be engaged in the business and to have an experience when they come in. So that was the interview done in March. And this is the conversation I had with her yesterday, post-COVID to get an update as to what exactly is happening with her and her business. What's happening? The last time we were here, you were in the (laughs) studio. I mean, things were rocking and going crazy. And then this pandemic hit and uh, things have kind of changed. So the the episode is finally going to be dropping tonight. 
into tomorrow morning, actually. Great. So I Thank wanted you. to make sure that we got an update because if we put the episode out that was recorded in March, it'd be a little bit weird, you know, talking about stuff that happened in March with this the pretty big news in the last four months. So I want to kind of get an update as to what has gone on in your life and your business. Well, due to the governor uh, mandate, our malls were closed uh, in March, following after, obviously, with what was happening with COVID. So we had the postponement and cancellation of um, a lot of our major league sports, and which then also co- caused us to close our mall locations um, to to COVID. And so now we reopened uh, right after Memorial Day weekend. And then um, some of the malls um, ended up having to close due to civil unrest. So we were finally open, at least my six, eight locations were finally opened by July, no, by June 10th. We were finally up and running until last week, July 13th, when the governor kind of rolled back the economy and we are now in a kind of standstill situation. We're closed again. Well, what happened when you guys were closed? Did you still have to pay your rent at all those locations? <laughs> well, we were able to work with many of the developers. Obviously, um, it's a partnership, partnership with the developers, obviously with us having to pay as tenants, having to pay the landlords and the landlords having to pay their lenders. Um, definitely this was new territory for both us as tenants as well as for the landlords and the lenders. So it was truly a partnership in trying to work with all of our different partners as well as working with our vendor partners in terms of our suppliers. There was also a lot of working together. So what have you done differently? How have you adjusted uh, since all of your stores, you have no choice, you're in a mall. It's not like you're you're somewhere in a, in a you know, shopping center, somewhere that you can open up at least secretly and like sell some product in the <laughs> door. Like you have no choice no. But to be in a mall, you know? So what are you doing? What are you, how are you adjusting? So I've become a little bit more active on the social media aspect. So we've been trying to um, really promote some of our items through Instagram. We also are um, partnering with the website for the franchisor. So we do have items that we've been able to sell through the online business. So that is on my Instagram uh, page, on the homepage. So I have customers that have been able to fulfill orders. And I have customers ordering product from across the country. I have um, Ohio, I have New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia. It's It's been really great. And I've been so appreciative of the business that we've been able to have. I, and I've even taken the extra step to even write personalized notes to the customers that have been able to purchase from us and just thanking them for supporting a small business owner because I really think it goes a long way. So there is a positive that came out of this. Yes, yes. Because you know? I remember I, in, in our in our conversation that we had here back in March, I, I asked you that, you know, how do you compete with your competitors where they're selling mostly online e-commerce? And, and there's a reason why you don't because you kind of keep your structure and you're really good at that. But this is big. Daisy. So this is. Yeah. This has been, this has been a, a new adjustment to having to add another hat that I wear um, in terms of doing some business online. And it's, it's been it's been great. And so I think that that's obviously something that I knew I had to get to, but it wasn't quite at the list of my priorities, only because of the fact that, you know, for me, it was brick and mortar, and that was taking my priority. But obviously, during the closure and trying to continue to in some and any way possible, bring in some type of revenue, I had to be flexible and I had yeah. to adjust. You got to adjust quickly. You got to do what you got to do and, and whatever, <laughs> whatever it takes. And that's, that's kind of the mentality you take in your life. So, which is awesome. Now, is that something that you're going to continue to do even though when your, your brick yes. and mortar opens? Yes. Yes. We will continue to do so. And we will um, continue to also to do, uh, try to become a little bit more active on the social media aspect as well. 
How do, um, so I'm trying to. How do people do that? They just go on your social media, Pro Image Sports LA. For, yes. So on the homepage is the actual link that I have for the website, and um, you'll be able to see some of the items that I've been able to work with vendors that we've been able to develop exclusively for us that is featured on that homepage. And then there's um, a lot of the regular product that you'll be able to purchase either from. Um, different retailers that we have or different owners that we have on the site as well. Excellent. You guys move fast. That was yes, awesome. <laughs> we had to. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So you've got a shopping cart there and everything, right? You can check out, you can order and it'll ship, it'll ship out to you. On the, yes, on the Prime site, yes. Good. How was business when you were open after COVID hit and you reopened? How was it? Overall, within my eight locations, it was a little bit um, slow to get started. Um, and I can only speak to my eight locations. I have one of my locations was doing probably a little bit stronger than the others. And that was Ontario Mills. And I think that it was one of the things that there wasn't necessarily the requirement for face coverings. I think there was a little bit more comfort zone there. And I think it was just uh, a destination also where we tend to get a lot of foot traffic. So that was one of the businesses that was doing a little bit better than my other locations. But I think overall, we were following all of the guidelines and the protocols to making sure that we were keeping not only our employees safe, but making it a, a positive and inviting shopping experience for our consumers as well. Any ideas to when you think they'll reopen again? I don't know. I've had many conversations with either um, my vendors out in the community as well as some of the general managers for the malls. And we don't know. Obviously, it's going to be up to the governor and the county. I have my own thoughts, but obviously I'm hoping that I'm wrong. But I don't want to put any false, you know, <laughs> we're not gonna any put, gossip out yeah, there. <laughs> we're not going to put any bad energy either because it didn't no. sound like you had good news to give us. So we're not going to go there with that one. So it's kind of a wait and see game for you that then, right? But in the meantime, you're trying to sell, sell on your website. I'm trying to sell on the website. And, you know, I had a uh, meeting with my managers. I had to, again, furlough my company employees. And we were all together on Saturday. And it was it was a very strong moment that I spent with my managers there. And we all talked about the first time around when we went through the shutdown was really so many uncertainties in terms of what was happening, what to expect, and a little more fear. I think this time around, we having gone through a reopening, we knew we came back. So we know that we will come back again after this this next shutdown. And that we're going to continue doing what we did before. And that was, you know, making sure that we were providing a safe environment for everyone. And that's what I think made it so much stronger for us to know going out this time around that we were doing it right and that we'll be prepared again when we reopen. Are you planning on bringing everybody back? Yes. I mean, so I was fortunate that we were able to bring back about 70% of the workforce. Um, obviously, the malls have are operating on adjusted mall hours. So it's probably about a 25% decline in operating hours. So we haven't necessarily, um, the staffing has been a little bit tighter. Obviously, we need to manage our expenses because we just are not necessarily generating the revenue that we would need to be generating in order to offset the expenses of rent and utilities and payroll. Were you able to tap into that PPP money? I was fortunate that um, I was able to get funded on the second round. On the first round, funds had run out. So by the time they, a second funding came about, I was able to to um, benefit from that. Yes. We spoke about a giveaway on the show. <laughs> yes, we did. And, and we're planning on doing this show right before opening day, late March, early April. Back in March. Correct. Yeah. feels like a long time ago, but opening day is in two days. 
July yes, 23rd. July 23rd. God yes, we're bless so excited. America. You don't need you have you have you checked out my uh, Instagram account at all? I, I put on these these face masks. These face I saw that. Yeah, and I'm just doing my best to just live, you know? I'm just doing my best. I tell you what, people have always asked me that question is how would you live without sports? And it's like I don't have to ever worry about that because that'll never happen, Daisy. And it did. And it's it, it happened. It's like a hundred and something days in now. And I don't know how I've survived, but I have. And I'm really proud of myself. Well, you know, did you get a chance to watch The Last Dance? Yeah. Very yes. I, I think that that was something that I think inspired a lot of our sports fans. Yeah. And I can tell you that the NBA business, when we reopened, was very strong. Yeah, I bet. And, Do you have any of those uh, those old Jordan jerseys? I do not. Okay. No. Are you able to? Is I that, do is have that a licensing. Thing? I that is a licensing. Um, I do carry Mitchell and S, which are throwback jerseys. So I do have um, throwback jerseys that I've been doing very well with, with the Celtics and the Lakers, and um, a lot of the Raptors have been doing very well for nice. us. Okay, so back to that uh, giveaway. There's gonna be. Are you still okay with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So it's gonna be a Nike Dodger giveaway. And you could put anybody's name back there, right? Yes, we can customize the names. Yes, okay. we just need at least uh, probably ten to fourteen days just to make sure that we can get it because they've also been impacted with the COVID, so their turnaround time is a little bit slower. Ten to fourteen days—that's get- like that's like the middle of a baseball season. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It'd be perfect. Perfect timing for the playoffs. Time. It'd be perfect for that stretch run. Um, Okay, that's great. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the show up tomorrow and then we're going to do the giveaway. It'll be on our social media. So you'd have to follow my Miked Up Pod account, your Pro Image Sports LA account. And Correct. then we'll figure out a way to, to, to get the winner. But you got to follow the rules, of course. So looking forward to that. Absolutely. It's really nice of you to do that. Well, no, and thank you. Thank you for um, highlighting uh, the company and also for putting this and making this available to our consumers. I really appreciate it. I'll tell you what, it was, um, I'm not just saying it's a powerful story because you're here and you're a guest of my show. You have a really powerful story and I, and I appreciate you so much for, for everything that you've done because again, you could have quit and gave up. But as we were editing the show yesterday, there was a couple of times where I kind of sat back in my chair and I was like, man, this was good. I didn't know it was this good. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. And we're looking forward to the 23rd, to the start of the season. And then we have NBA at the end of the month. I mean, so we and NFL, we, we, we're looking forward to the start of, of sports again. And I know that we as a community really need you know, something to believe in again. And sports is definitely it. Absolutely. The country, the world needs a distraction and there's no better distraction than sports, even with than sports, even with cardboard cutouts. Maybe you should sell those. <laughs> Think about selling those cardboard cutouts. I mean, why not? No kidding. <laughs> Figure that out. Put somebody's face on there with a cardboard cutout. All right. This sounds good. Told you that was a powerful story, man. She's, uh, she's, she's it. She's it. She's awesome. She's a rock star. She's a superstar and nobody's ever going to get in her way. She's awesome. I hope that was an inspirational story for all of you out there. And you know what's, you know, when your backs are against the wall, it's kind of, you kind of figure out the person and that's who she is. She adjusted. She had to make an adjustment and she's doing so while selling her products on e-commerce and setting up a website quickly and doing it and sending it out and shipping it out all over the country. You heard her. She's shipping not only in Southern California, but around the country. So good for her. We're all very happy for her. So that jersey that she is willing to do a giveaway for, which we are so appreciative of her doing that, you have to follow both of our accounts. So Pro Image Sports LA on Instagram 
then you have to follow my account, Miked Up Pod on Instagram. And then uh, the rules will be coming out after the show airs. So look out for that on my page, on her page for the giveaway. And uh, we'll take it from there. So good luck to all of you. Time for product of the week. I told you about Neuro Gum last week. And I feel like Neuro Gum is good for the second half of your day because you don't want to chew Neuro Gum early in the morning because it's not caffeine, it's not sugar, it's actually your B vitamins. So I guess it's not that bad to chew in the mornings, but it's probably not what you want to start your day with. It's the second half of your day after your lunch when you kind of kind of get over that hump, right? The third and fourth quarter of the day. So I chew that gum after my lunch. I told you about it last week. Product of the week this week is something to get you through the first half of your day, and that is taking D3. I cannot tell you how important it is. We think that we aren't deficient in D vitamins. We are so wrong. You think that you can stand out in the sun for 20, 30 minutes and you're okay for the day. You are so wrong. Listen, dogs and cats, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they go out and they see the sun and they hit the sun for 20, 30 minutes. Human beings is completely different. You can work out in the sun all day long. You'll still be deficient in D. And D3 is so big for your brain, for your body, for your mind, for your soul. Huge difference for me when I take it in the mornings and it'll be a huge difference for you. So so I'm getting you through the first half of your day. I'm getting you through the second half of your day. Your first half is your D3. Your second half is your Neuro Gum. So I buy mine um, on Amazon. I, I think the best one on there is Garden of Life makes it. D3 vitamins, so look out for that. I would do it. It's It's game changing, man. It really is. That's it for me, folks. I am Mike Gabriel. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. This is Mike Up Pod. Until next time, folks. No wasted days. Let's go.